Yo, a buddy of mine was shot in the face six years ago. And I actually had a, was working in an accident because it was in the county and I was working in an accident that day and the poor little lady that got crashed the car. I don't know how anybody can get me, can you take me home? So I'm like, yeah, see how I can do this. I take her home and I'm uh, dropping her out right when we pull up in front of her house. We hear her going over the radio and uh, you instantly need it. All right, so why is it we can't talk about this guy? Well, he's still working. So like one of the deals that we've made with people is if they're still working or they just want to be anonymous for whatever reasons is that that they can do that. This particular guy is he's still working. He's a supervisor and um you know, I called him up and I was like, "Hey man, will you do this thing for us?" And um he said, "Sure." And so we made arrangements to do it around Thanksgiving of last year, actually, actually Thanksgiving weekend, because he was going to be in town. And um, <laughs> he messaged me and he was like, hey, man, I can't I can't do it. I got in a shooting. So we had to postpone it. And um, it was all good. You know, it's like everything was fine. And um, he came, He, you know, he came back about a month or six weeks later and um, he did this thing for us. He's. Like I said, he's still a supervisor. This guy rocks and rolls. He's not a me person. He's a, like a mission oriented person. He, you know, he does what needs to be done. He loves being a cop. He used to ride with me religiously as a reserve, like once a week for, I don't know, probably like a couple of years or something like that. We had a great time together. And, um, this guy knows how to have a good time and he knows how to tell a good story. So this will be a good listen. Turn around car. Two Adam 21, two Adam 22, two Adam 11 and two Adam 12 regarding a gunshot wound victim at 333 North 58th Street. 333 North 58th Street. Shots fired in the cafeteria at Thurston High School. You know, law enforcement's funny. Uh, you know, you go from, um, in my ears, and you go from extreme adrenaline to none or vice versa from no adrenaline to extreme adrenaline. That makes sense. Uh, you know, from the barking, barking dog, you know, you're on a barking dog. And then I remember one time I was training, training a dude in, um, we get a call. Well, we heard the call come out. It was just a disturbance out in the county. Uh, and uh, and it went from, okay, everything's cool. The deputy clears it. We're just wandering around, driving around town. And then all of a sudden, uh, 187 comes over the radio, which, you know, you, rarely do you hear 187 over the radio. Usually they come in. Usually they're, a lot of times they're cold, right? So, you know, now all of a sudden we went from just kind of lackadaisical to doing nothing to code three, because uh, his shots fired, the dude ended up smoking his dad in a after the after the law enforcement handle, ended up smoking his dad in a garage, and and uh, you know, so you handle that, and then you know, because uh, it's like rope it off, wait for the major crime team to get there, and then we go back to you know, okay, shoplifter in custody at your local department store. Uh, yeah, you go from like zero to sixty to yeah, man, to like zero. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know. Or like when I was a major crimes detective, I remember my first uh, um, my first homicide. 
uh, you know, it was a, what you call, you know, the true whodunner. It's like you get there zero, zero information. Like oh, yeah. nobody knows the dude, nobody, uh, um, like the dude just, he lived in the town for a week and, uh, um, you know, ended up getting killed a week after he moved there. And we ended up taking 38 hours, you know, you're, you're up for 38 hours trying to investigate the case, trying to figure out who did it. And then go home for two hours to sleep. And then you're up for another 18 working the case. And then we ended up, you know, at the end of it, we ended up arresting six people. No for kidding. This, for this dude's. Yeah, it was, it was insane. It's like, and I remember cause I, I, um, I wear, I do a lot of different things, you know? So I'm also on the SWAT team. And I remember my commander at the time was like, no man, you've been up way too long. Cause we're going to hit a house. I'm like, no man, you can't, you can't leave me out. Cause you know, I'm investigating and you know, I'm, I'm living at a pretty high level, but at more of an investigator mode, you know, now I want the adrenaline. It's like, come on, man, you can't, you can't sideline me. He's like, yeah, you're pretty tired. I think, you know, like, uh, meet another dude that were on the team. We're detectives together. And he's like, so we had to talk our way on. So we ended up getting, ultimately we won, <laughs> got to hit the house. So then you change out, your, you change out your suit. You're now wearing a, your, you know, your tactical gear. And then you go from your tactical gear back into your suit to investigate. And then ultimately we end up arresting, you know, six people. So, and, uh, it's, uh, you know, at the end of it, it's pretty cool because for me at the end of it, the mom was pretty, obviously she, um, it happened right outside their door basically. And, uh, so she, to some degree, got to watch her son's death and, um, the satisfaction at the end of it was amazing. Like she came up after trial and gave me a big hug and thanked me for all my work and our department for our work. And, um, so the, the satisfaction of, of, uh, you know, arresting and then going through trial, winning your trial, yeah. and giving the mother some, some closure. I mean, she'll obviously never have closure again, but holy, but you're down there in the wild West, man. Like I, I remember stories from like my dad's FTO left where he was at and went down there. Like just to, uh, he had somebody go ride with him. He's working for OSP and this back when they carried revolvers. You know, and, oh yeah. Yeah. So, He's like, hey, what are you carrying? And the guy's like, you know, I get whatever kind of revolver. And he's like, take the shotgun. Like that that place down there has been been crazy since the seventies, probably before that. Yeah, it's pretty hot. Uh, um, I remember when I first got hired, speaking of SP, I was um, in another city, and I ran into a, a trooper, and we we're talking. He's like, holy cow, man, I started my career there. He's like, careful, this is a hot zone there, and. Uh, you know, it's a, they were actually back then, um, talking with a lot of, um, like OSP, they're saying, you know, we like our troopers to come through there because it's good training. Um, it's pretty active, you know, there's a lot to do and, uh, it's a good place to be a cop, good place to live too. But, um, you get a, get, you get a good, you get a full career there. So, you know, uh, it's not always the busiest, but when it, when it, goes it goes uh you know you can pretty much do anything from you know i've been in many pursuits or uh been a lot of you know unfortunately we had our violent crimes were bad for a long time so i got a good uh background in in investigations and um there for a while i think one year we actually led the state in homicides with raw numbers 
countywide, you know, not just citywide because our county's not the biggest, but it's like you get benched, you know, the, 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 the detectives are like, you're not on this one. And, uh, but yeah, it's kind of crazy, you know, um, when you get there, I mean, people would challenge you. I was, I'm a small guy. So when I first got hired, it's like, they challenge you. It's like, I'm like, why are people running for me? Why are people fighting for me? I'm pretty good shape. Yeah, I'm not the biggest dude, but, uh, it's like, why are they not running from that guy? But it's because I'm, they know they're, they're sizing you up to some degree, even though I'm not that big, but they're still sizing me up to see how I can handle my business. You know, it's so. funny you should mention that because like when I was doing like Ironman training, you know, I lost quite a bit of weight. Yeah. So I got fairly smaller and it was right about then that people just said they like never, nobody ever ran for me. And then they did again. Yeah. It's like they did to start with and then they stopped. And then once I shrunk up, they did again. Yeah. It's insane, man. Cause like, I'm like, uh, there for, it hasn't even been that long ago, you know, even like five, six years ago, I was fighting all the time. So like everybody's challenging me, like, what is going on? You know, I split my head open. I blew my elbow open. all in about three months. I was, uh, I was starting to get dinged up a little bit and, uh, took six stitches to my elbow on one fight. And, um, then I, I had a few months or so later, I'm fighting with a guy and I ended up splitting my head wide open on a curb when we went to the ground. And I'm like, what is going on? Nobody fights with that guy or that guy, but everybody wants to fight with me. And, um, but yeah, you know, they want to, I think to some degree in my, my little world, and I could be way wrong, the healthier and better safety are, the more of a challenge it possibly is to them. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I like to think. So oh, that probably is true. Yeah. Because you've been at this, you said 22 years. Yeah. Your physique has only gotten, uh, you don't look like a 22 year cop. Yeah. Thanks. Let me just I put it like that. that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I actually think I'm better now. We've known each other for quite some time. So, um, I don't, you probably remember how small I was. So I'm still small, but I'm way better shape. I think I'm better shape now than I was then. So oh, I would agree with you. Yeah. 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 I mean, speed wise, I've probably lost a step. I mean, that's just natural, but, uh, I'm still pretty quick, but strength wise, I'm in way better shape than. I was when I was a young guy or a younger guy. So, which is important, I think, for this job. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, I remember this was like 2007 or eight or whatever. I broke my collarbone in 2007. So it was 2008 when we went back to Moab and we went with this guy from a metro agency. And uh, he had been a cop like three and a half years. And He's like, I've never been in a fight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we said too. We were like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Which it, 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 to some degree with the Metro is, uh, you know, um, I always wanted to be in a big city and, but then you talk with the big city guy. Like, so a buddy of mine's a guy I work with, his buddy works for, um, a huge Metro city down in Southern California. And he's like, he came out and did a round. I was like, you guys fight way more than we fight. But because that's when you have that many police officers, whatever happens is over within seconds, usually. Right. Um, yeah. So it's crazy when you hear those because I've heard the same thing. It's like, yeah, you need to come to where I'm from and 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 uh, check it out because it's because it's off the hook sometimes. And when it goes, when it, and you can feel it too. You can feel when the bubble is going to break. And um, you know, when I was a major crimes detective, I'd go home uh, and tell my wife, I'm like, cook dinner. She's like, what, cook dinner? I go, cook dinner because I'm getting called out. She's like, what are you talking about? I go, I'm going to get called out tonight. So cook dinner. So, uh, 
she cooked dinner and sure enough, a couple hours later, it's time to go to work. You know, it's weird how you can, cause you'll, you'll be in a lull for so long. And then all of a sudden just, it pops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, man. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, uh, that's extra sense. I guess we get that. Yeah. It's good times. <laughs> uh, so, or, you know, you're driving wrong along here a few years ago, I was driving along and, um, I'm hitting a main artery intersection, if you will, in my town. And it's probably one, two o'clock in the morning. It was raining hard and, uh, there's probably an inch or so of top water on the pavement and it was pretty boring night. And then I'm like, I'm like, see this, this vehicle going, uh, uh, southbound. And I'm like, what the heck? And though I'm like, my light's green. That's, that means that right's like, I'm like, that just happened. You know, I'm like trying to process this cause it's been a pretty slow night. And I'm like, that's, you just ran a red light. And he was, and he was hauling ass. And I'm like, and it was one of those, uh, I don't know if you're seeing there, the, the, they vacuum the car lots or the parking lots, like a big truck and they get the vacuums on. I don't know what they call them. I call it a vacuum cleaner truck, but, um, so I'm like, oh, I guess he's probably late. Maybe he's late to his shift or whatever, where he, the next spot he needs to be. So I get him behind, we're, we're doing like, I don't know, 16 or 45. And I'm like, oh, this guy's clipping pretty good. I'm like, yeah, I'll just, I'll talk to him when we get to his next stop. Cause I knew what his next stop was the most likely going to be. Cause it's a big box store. And, uh, so, and we'll get to the box store and I'm like, we're still going. I'm like, what the heck? So I light it, light it up. And next I know we're going, we're going hundred miles an hour <laughs> and, uh, we, we go four or five miles and finally get the, the individual finally gives up and turns out that the individual had stolen the, had been across town and had just stolen this, but they hadn't had a time to, hadn't reported it yet. So from, and, uh, you know, so that's how fast it tees off. And when I train, like when I train recruits, I'm telling them, man, you know, it's fast out here. We might be driving around right now, not doing a whole lot, but when it tees off, it's going to tee off. So that's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So talk about that thing you're infamous for in the terrorists. Oh goodness. Yeah. So yeah, my, my, uh, yeah, 99, I, uh, stopped a car, you know, and that's when you go back to, you never know, you know, we don't never know what we're walking up to. You know, we always talk about that. Like you go to schools and all that and you know they talk about you know you know when things aren't right when the hair stands up the back of your neck so you probably remember when you're young and new you're like yeah whatever that's not gonna happen that's well this night is like 5 30 in the morning and walk up to the car i'm like oh. i was actually getting ready to get off duty so i'm like um that looks like a good stop let's do one last stop before i get home for the more for the night because i was on graveyard except for the morning walk up to the car i'm like whoa so we get to talking and, uh, um, they weren't from the local area and they explain where they're coming from. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And they tell me where they're headed and I'm like, Hmm. So long and short is I, I thought it was really weird. And I remember, you know, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I'm like, wow, it's true. It does. That does happen. And I told my backup officer, I said, man, there's something not right here. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but something's wrong. So we end up, uh, cutting, it's funny how the senses take over, like, and make your decisions for you. So back then we towed cars for not having a license. And I got an authorization for a no tow that night and wrote the dude tickets said, here you go. Um, can't let you drive, but what you do when I leave is on you. So three hour, I get off three hours later, I'm summoned to the PD. 
because the FBI is in town and needs to talk to me about my stuff. And uh, so when I ran the driver's name, it queried through their system. Yeah. And uh, uh, long and short, as it turns out, the dudes are trying to, they, they've been tracking them for months and they lost them for six months. And uh, as a, a terrorist organization that tried to open a terrorist organization in my uh, camp, if you will, in my jurisdiction. And uh, so it was my 15 minutes of fame. Uh, he got me a lot of FaceTime with CNN and. Oh, no kidding. You are on CNN? Yeah. CNN did a ride along with me. Uh, BBC did a ride along with me. No kidding. Um, seems like anything, time anything overseas popped up. Um, uh, I was getting a phone call because this group was involved. Um, I did talk to the Washington State Police Academy on it. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, kind of crazy. It just goes, you know, back to the whole you never know what. You can be in a town of one or a town of a million. You don't know. Did you, uh, do you ID everybody in the car? Yeah. Yeah. The, they showed me some uh pictures and i'm like yeah because the other guy um there, it was uh there was we couldn't communicate so um so when they showed me a picture i'm like yeah, that guy and that guy were in the car and you're like all right good enough i'm like well who are they and he's like well, well we can't talk about that <laughs> like of course you can't so what well, so then of course i'm mad as a, especially as a young officer because i'm like man is this the one you know is this the one and what did i let go because i'm pretty active and pretty um i like to dig and you know um that let something go that i shouldn't let go and uh, so I brought that up and like, you know, yeah, you probably made the right decision because these guys are well-trained and their, their training far exceeds law enforcement. So if you'd hit the right button, it probably would have uh, not ended well. Um, so it was, as they put it, best that you're a witness for us and uh, can help us out versus, I'm like, I'm sure, whatever, you know, but yeah. yeah you probably wouldn't end up in a blazing shootout. Yeah, that's kind of like that's kind of what they're suggesting. You know, they they say we surveil these guys and and uh, we you know they they train much harder than law enforcement does. So, but yeah, it's crazy, man. It's like wow, who are, you know who's did you once tell me that you thought some one of those guys was like pointing a briefcase at you or something? Yeah, I had a briefcase and uh, he was really protective and was laying flat on his lap and initially and then as I was talking, it came up and he was bear hugging it and I'm like. You know, and you watch movies like, Jesus, is there a gun in there or what? And that's what started cueing me when I told the cover officer when he got there. I'm like, something's not right, man. I can't figure it out. So um, it's like, uh, you know, now you're just like, really? Now, and so when you talk with the FBI, it's like, well, now what did I really let go? Because something was wrong. I don't know what. And probably never will know. But uh, yeah, it was enough to make me want to write a report and, and uh, at least have it on file in the event. Yeah. Didn't, and did were those guys ever caught or? Yeah, I think uh, leave the country or anything like that. Yeah, last I heard, they left. I know one they they thought that he they had uh, um, they thought that they killed him somewhere overseas, and then he popped up again. I never did hear if they got caught. They were tracking them, but I never heard if they actually physically. Uh, I know they arrested one in the states, and I think ultimately he went to federal prison. But the other two were went back overseas wow so, yeah. that's crazy yeah yeah it's uh yeah my 15 minutes of fame <laughs> <laughs> that was young in my career i was only a cop for like two years at that point so no kidding yeah yeah but yeah you don't know you never know man you never know know what you you know what you're gonna come across or you know you stopped the car one night and um i uh uh i thought it was a dui and we actually pulled up into a, it's a dead end street. And so I'm talking to the guy and he's like, I don't have any ID. 
you know, he's kind of acting goofy and, um, I'm like, well, I need to have your ID because you know, if you don't have ID, I can actually detain you and for as long as it takes to identify you. So we need to figure this out. And so we're sitting there talking and, he, but he gave me uh, statements like about, you know, he's looking for a place to stay for the night. He's out of town. I'm like, it's pretty clear. There's no hotels. And there was no hotels in there, but two convenience stores. I'm like, Hmm. So, you know, my spy sense start kicking in and my backup officer gets there and he has a reserve officer. There's three of us there. So the backup officer, the cover officer was close to the passenger side and the um, uh, reserve was to the rear quarter panel of the car by the trunk. And so he aggressively reaches into the glove box and he stops, or into the center console, he stops. And then he goes like this and take, uh, adjusts his rear view mirror. And uh, he caught the cover officer, the reserve officer at the back of his car, put him driving off we go. And, uh, yeah, took off. He actually, I've never seen a Chevy Citation go up over boulders and up a hill, uh, but he did it quite handsomely and uh, professionally. And off we go, so we ended up getting like, that pursuit went for about 45 miles and it turned out he was a wanted for three bank robberies. So, Jeez, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the element of surprise in police work, you never know. Yeah. What was in the, did he see anything in the, I mean, once he got the car, was there anything in the center console or no? Yeah. By the time we got him, he was actually checking stuff out at the, oh. out the window at us. So we don't know. And later on, we had, uh, saw there was actually a bolo sent out on him from the California area, but he had switched cars. So, uh, um, so we don't know. We don't know. We found some ammunition in the vehicle. So we don't know because the bolo said he was armed and dangerous. So, uh, we don't know if he chucked it while we well, cause it was, that was three o'clock in the morning. So, and, uh, we got on a rural highway and off we went. 45 miles is a long chase. It was a long chase. chase. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he ended up ditching the car and, uh, we actually ended up having to, it was going so long. We actually ended up having to turn it over to, to OSP and then, uh, he ended up ditching it and they actually Got the female passenger. She was walking down the highway, and I think they got him. He was hunkered down in the woods somewhere, not too far away. But yeah, yeah. so yeah, that was a that was fun stuff. It, but they just don't ever know, man. You know, that's what uh, we try to explain to people. You know, they sometimes don't realize that you know we're always on alert because you know you don't know when you know a buddy of mine was shot in the face. It's just six years ago and he survived, but down yeah. there where you're at. Yeah. No Took, kidding. What happened? Uh, traffic stop. I was actually working that day and, uh, traffic stop the gun bad. Dude didn't want to go back to prison. So, uh, blasted him in the, got both his jaws and, uh, I think, I think one in the belly. He's, he lived, but he, uh, multiple surgeries. And I actually had a, was working an accident cause it was in the County and I was working an accident that day in the, uh, poor little lady that got, crash the car. I don't know how anybody can get me. Can you take me home? So I'm like, yeah, so yeah I can do that. So I take her home and I'm uh, dropping out right when we pull up in front of her house. We hear gurgling over the radio and she goes, what's that? She goes, that's not good. I said, no, that's not good. You need to get out. And uh, you instantly knew. And so then of course the manhunt's on, but yeah, I missed. So, you know, he gets out thinking it's whatever, you know, some minor violation. And now he's uh, facing, um, he, you know, he's fighting to live. Yeah, did you so, you guys obviously caught that guy or he got yeah. caught? Yeah, he ended up getting caught. I think he I think he tore he got convicted. I can't remember what he got to twenty years, I think. So but 
he's in he's in prison now and but that unfortunately that officer is now out of law enforcement and uh trying to get not because he wanted to be i don't know what happened there but um he's actually a really good cop so but so yeah he you know people don't understand we don't go to work thinking oh yeah we're probably gonna you know we go to work hoping we're gonna come home we don't know what's going to happen but he obviously didn't know he's gonna walk into that car and then start taking a bunch of rounds right so yeah um yeah that was a that was an interesting one. He's lucky. I mean, it literally blew both his jaw, lower jaws out. Wow. You know, as everything, you know, eighth of an inch, it's probably right. Bought and paid for. So lucky. God, man. Yeah. Good dude. Good dude. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's been good. It's been a good career. I, I love police work, man. I love it. So I have fun every day. So you get a, and I just, I've been training a new guy and that's what I tell him and we talk about how fast it is, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's fun to, it's actually fun to train the new guys is sometimes it can be tough, but to watch their, it makes you want to be new again to some degree, maybe new off probation. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so that pressure's off. Yeah. So that pressure's off. But, but, uh, for me, it's like, like, even though I've been doing it for 22 years, I still feel like every day is almost my first day. So you still want to go out and you still want to do good. And, but there is a flip side of it too. Like, you know, you want, it's, you know, the per, you know, you get to meet people and, you know, there's not just police work, especially today, you know, um, you, know you talk to people all the time, just, uh, you know, it's nice when you sit somewhere and people come up and tell you, you know, their person of you and your profession. And, um, and then just simple, you know, simple things when it comes to helping somebody, uh, you know, even if it's just like pushing their car off the road or whatever, you know, because it just makes you feel good to, you know, you fight crime all day, but then, you know, there's the other side of you too, the, the human side and you're, you just want to do good and just help people as a whole. Yeah. So, I think you're, I don't know if you're like one of the rare people that is still in the job that long and then actually still really loves it. You know, I was telling, I was talking to the guy that retired and he's, he's like, I, I love being retired, but I miss the job every single day. Yeah, that's the um, tough one. I don't know, you know, when it comes down to that day, how to, I had somebody tell me not too long ago, I'm probably going to need to find balance in life. But uh, yeah, because you, if you, you know, it's a good job. It's it's fun. I mean, you see a lot of things you don't want to see that nobody should have to see, right? Um, but there's also the good side of it too that keeps you going as well. So Because you know, when with bad, there's always good. And, uh, so if you can find that balance in it, I think that helps out. And I'm, I've never been one that, uh, I mean, I can't say don't take it home. Cause I think that's nearly impossible for us to some degree. Um, but, uh, like I don't, I live and breathe it at work, but I don't live and breathe it on my off time. I'm not, you know, like my, my wife should be like, do you want to sit, do you want to sit? in this chair, like we go out to a restaurant because the chair's facing the wall. I'm like, no, I'm good. I can sit here. It's, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be okay. You know, I, I tried to remove that element early in my career. Yeah. Maybe that's why I have a good time still because I don't, when I'm home, I'm home. So, uh, where some unfortunately don't do that. But, right, um, right. Yeah, uh, so, but yeah, I love it, man. I still like to, I like, I mean, yeah, you get up every, sometimes you're like, oh, I got to work today, but 
when you get there and get geared up and you're ready to go, it's like, let's go do this. It's fun. I'm sorry, I mean, 19 years, 19 years on the SWAT team still, so running around and uh, having fun doing that. And yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I can tell. Man. Like, I don't want to, yeah. I actually had a, one of our officers not too long ago goes, you really like police work, don't you? He goes, yeah, I go, I love it, man. Why wouldn't I? I mean, it's, we, it's a great job. So there's no other place that you can get the satisfaction that we get, you know, whether it's, you know, finding somebody's stolen wallet or solving a homicide. I mean, the satisfaction in, in bringing closure to people and, and uh, holding people accountable and all that. I mean, where else are you going to get that from? I said, he goes, you need to figure it out. I go, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do when I retire. I really don't. Well, how so old are you? 46, almost 47. Okay. You said four years and you can, but that doesn't mean necessarily mean you have to, right? Yeah, three. Three years and three I can years. go. Yeah, 3.2, by the way. Uh, I can go. Uh, <laughs> I can go, but whether I will or, you know, that remains to be. You know, I had an officer years ago, long time ago, tell me. The day he got up and said, I'm done. I don't want to go to work days when I'll retire. And one day I saw him and I'm like, he worked for another agency. I'm like, it's amazing. I'm tired. I'm like, really as a kid, man, I got up and I want to go to work. So I retired. He had the years in. Yeah. And uh, I said, that's probably a good philosophy to live by, you know, the day you get up and you're like, get to that, to that retirement. And then you just play year by year. It's like, oh, I'm done. I, I think I've maxed myself. So it's probably time to, to pick a second career. So. Sure. Remember the stories about calling up and quitting on the phone oh did you i didn't yeah <laughs> like you, you probably quit like uh, at least two times <laughs> like over the phone yeah that's <laughs> late, funny. late at night and then your sleep's on it like oh i'm not ready yet yeah <laughs> yeah man yeah because he probably he probably like okay this is the day and then he gets him no this isn't the day i shouldn't have did that <laughs> yeah yeah i maybe i'll be that guy i don't see you doing that yeah no no i won't be that guy <laughs> It's uh, yeah, it's good. Um, I just know. I think the other thing is too. After you do your song, you're like, I think you panic a little bit. Like life after law enforcement, what are you gonna do? What yeah. are you gonna do? Don't know. That's just it. I don't. I'm a gym buff, so I really want to own a gym. Uh, but it's like, but then do I want the stress and the pressure of owning a business and having to make that succeed every single day? Because you know, there's a lot of stress in police work. And by the time I retired, you know, it's 26 years of a lot of stress. So do you, so then I'm like, do I really want to put myself, cause I got some friends in the gym business. So like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. And, uh, don't so, do it because it's a hard business to like make money at or what? I don't know really. My one buddy, he, he really never, he, he just says it's stressful. Um, I think from a liability standpoint, is somebody always trying to sue you or, you know, something goes wrong in the gym or they drop a weight on their foot or. Or whatever he's like i just can't wait to get out because this the of that side of it but i'm like but i just want a small gym but then yeah with as far as making money because um uh you know everybody's got a gym now it seems like there's almost one on every corner so uh it's like well i don't really want to be in the red i don't want to take my retirement and throw it all into gym and then be broke right you know and then so it's like okay well i can do that that's really the only idea I've come up with at this point. Yeah, we talked about that a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I got to figure it out. So we're getting close. So I mean, not close, but not close. Uh, I got a few years, but I have to find something. 
that's gonna but you also have to find something that makes you happy you know you don't want to just a job to get a job well it's yeah. a lot different to do something that you want to do when you don't have to do the other thing like i don't have to do this one thing that i don't want to do anymore and i want to work for myself and like when you're when you're the guy making the money it's a pretty good deal yeah 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 if you can that's the thing i like almost want to be self-employed to some degree so you can but you got to have the right job where you can say you can kind of pick and choose a little bit in, but I don't know. I don't even know what that would be. I mean, we got guys at the office who, you know, I was probably where I screwed up. I'm not a big networker. So they network. So they've got stuff that, that will run them into retirement. I'm like, God, and I always tell, I always tell them like, do I really need to get something going? You guys all got something that's going to help you in retirement and make some money. And, I really don't have anything. And I never really got specialized in anything. Cause I just, when something came open in the PD for a different assignment, I just put in for it. And cause I want to be real well-rounded and, uh, I wanted to taste, taste every part of law enforcement. So you, but the problem with doing that is you get, you know, two, maybe three years in those entities, and then you move on to the next one and the next one. So you never really get, um, like, like some people get, uh, like we have one lady, she's a expert testifier and, and child abuse, you know, cause she spent so many years and that was her passion. So she could probably go to work like a, a child center, you know, cares or whatever. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I really never, I didn't, you know, I'm not a firearms instructor. I'm not a DT instructor. You know, I'm an ORPAD instructor. I can, I can do physical abilities testing all day long. Probably not a lot of money in that area. <laughs> probably uh, not. <laughs> so it's like, uh, cause I just like the job and I always wanted to just do everything. You know, I never focused on one area. I mean, maybe that will help me life afterwards because I'm. I think I've I've had a pretty good career, and and uh, I'm sure it'll somewhere along the way it'll translate into a new career. Well, I think the thing that people don't realize when they leave is that they have this incredible skill that you've pigeonholed yourself into. Like I can only do police work, and that incredible skill is to be able to manipulate everyone. Yeah, I had a. Um, a buddy of mine bought a car and uh, uh, the sales manager was like, you retiring in a couple of years? He's like, yeah. He's like, come see me, man. He's like, I love to hire. He's like, I love hiring retired police officers because you guys can talk. You guys, you guys communicate well and you know how to talk. Right. So, yeah. So we actually have, yeah, I think you're right. You pigeonhole yourself in that, oh, oh, I can be the police officer. I can be the police officer. But at the end of the day, when you sit back and look at it, well, you spend a lot of years communicating and talking. And then. And thinking critically quickly. Yeah. You know, to make a, to make a decision, uh, to make generally, it's going to be a good decision. Well, yeah, that's just it. You know, um, everything we do is critical thinking, everything, you know, a lot of, there's, you know, do I, don't I, um, you know, there's been several times in my job or on the job where, you know, you talk people off the ledge, if you will, um, you know, and you're sitting there in your mind, you're going, okay, this is like you talk shoot, no shoot scenarios. Is this a shoot situation? Is it not a shoot situation? Or just use of force in general. Is this a, are we going hands on with this individual? Are we going to be able to talk him out of, and you know, I, I think we can, I think words create it. So you need to know, you need to know how to talk. So if you can figure out how to communicate a lot of times, you can talk them right off the ledge and, and uh, get where, get to where you need to go and get them services or whatever help it is they need, or they got warrants or whatever. I don't know, but, um, so yeah, so we, it's that thinking process. Okay. How are we going to get through this situation? And it's going to be a positive outcome right? for everybody. Yeah. So, Because um, contrary to popular belief. Yeah. 
positive outcome, not a negative outcome. Exactly. I mean, you know, I'm not out there to, you know, you want, you know, like I talked to a guy not too long ago in the store and well, my ex-wife, let me back up. My ex-wife, he's, I'll talk to people, you know, I may arrest you yesterday, but I will talk to you. I don't, you know, it's a job. It's like, so I'll talk to people in the store that I've had, uh, I mean, in their views, it's a negative contact, right? Because maybe they went to jail or whatever and nobody wants to go to jail, right? Um, but for us, it's a positive because it ended safely and and uh, everybody goes their separate ways and nobody got hurt or whatever. And so I'll be in the store. Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, hey, how you doing? I'll shake hands with you. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll want to shake hands. And I remember my ex, I was like, why? I go, well, why not? I go, they're human. I go, I put my pants on one leg at a time. It's like everybody else. Yeah, so, you're in a unique situation where you're like, you're basically like, you're, you're living with the inmates. Yeah, you got to. I, mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. You've got to, yeah, you got to learn to coexist and, and uh, you know, and you know, they're, treat them with respect. And that, like when I train new officers, I said there's one thing people, everybody has it that they don't want taken away. doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, medium, whatever. You know, there's one thing in this world we all have that we don't ever want taken from us and that's to be treated with respect. Yeah, that's true. So, because that's, a, that's, it's not a material possession, but it's something internally that we all possess and we don't want to be disrespected. So treat everybody with respect and it pays dividends down the road. So, uh, you know, and yeah, I talked to a guy the other day. I, I mean, I'm, you know, I like to talk. So it's like, Hey, what's going on, man? Not much. And, you know, I think it garners, you know, that mutual respect goes both ways. Cause you know, it, uh, it makes your job easier too if you build a rapport with people and um because when shit does hit the fan if you will you're probably gonna be able to resolve it a lot easier a lot quicker and a lot safer you're like oh hey it's you hey what's up man not much okay well I'll, you know I was, I was training a guy not too long ago and we stepped out with an individual i know and i talked to him i've known him for years and and uh the young recruit was trying to talk to him, i don't want to talk to you i'll talk to him i know him I don't know you. So, but that's 22 years of listening to people, talking to people and respecting people. Yeah. So, yeah. What's a sergeant doing training recruits? How does that, uh, like, how did that happen? I still like to train and I get, uh, we're down on trainers right now. Uh, so, cause like everybody else, we're struggling with, um, hiring and retention. So I get, uh, I get a, every now and then, the trainers are overloaded or um, if they feel they need a fresh set of eyes on a recruit, they'll have me do it to get my opinion and see, uh, see what I think. Why so, do you think there is a, why do you think there is a shortage? Um, I think the shortage right now is we live in a violent world right now. I think, I mean, I think it's probably, I mean, um, if you read the news every day, it's, Police officer shot, police officer shot, police officer shot, police officer shot. And I think that people read that and they're like, um, I had a fireman actually tell me the other day, he's like, you know, I really want to be a police officer, but I have kids and a wife and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do what you guys do because, and put my life out there for that. And I think that, that plays a big role in it um, because it's all publicized, so heavily publicized now. Because it, it doesn't make it look very glorious that officers are going to work every day. And I mean, here not to, what, we can have to go in like five days. Four or five days, there were like five officers nationwide shot and killed. And uh, so, you know, we, we offered a guy a job here not too long ago, and he called and said, you know, I got a, I got a better job, making more money. 
So that too, you know, in a trade world, you can make way more money in, in a, than a police officer. So we talk in terms of that, um, you know, and I don't know if there's really the, like I got into, I mean, as soon as I was old enough to talk, I'm going to be a police officer. So it's something I desired as, as a young kid all the way. I mean, my mom always says, she said, I just remember when you were a kid, you said you want a wife, a family, you want to be a police officer. So, um, but I think that the publicity with us right now is, can be a little uh, impactful to people who are kind of wavering on that, but the, it's, it's dangerous, you know, and I think more and more people are like, you know what, I don't know if it's worth, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's worth going out. I got like the firemen, you know, I, don't, I got kids, you know, so I think that uh, it's causing, because our numbers are over half what they used to be. So I talked to somebody not too long ago, their agency used to do six processes roughly a year and you know, get a hundred plus 200 plus people and they're seeing like 30 to 60. That's it. Yeah. It's a pretty good paying job for like, I think it's a great paying job. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you gotta put aside what you hear and what you see and, you know, um, it's not for everybody, but you know, if you can put a, put aside what, what you're seeing and what you're hearing in the outlets, and just internalize and go, is this for me? Yeah, I really want to do this and make a difference and go out and do a good job. You know, I don't really pay attention to anything. I, for me, I, I'm like, I have a job to do. I go out and do it. Um, I do it the best I can. And, you know, I can't, we can't control everything. You know, and of course, you know, people see, oh, you know, that guy did this and that guy did that or this gal or whatever. And why aren't they in prison or why aren't they doing that? And, I, you know, I think people struggle with that part. It's like, you can't worry about that. It's not up to us. So we do the investigation. We put it together. We may make an arrest. They get a right, you know, their right to a jury. And if the jury finds them, you know, innocent, then you got to move on. Don't let it eat you alive. Oh, no, you can't so, get worked up about no, that stuff. And, so I don't know if people see that and they're like, well, you know, I just can't handle it. I can't handle it. You know, you, see, you hear people like that. I, I don't know how you guys do what you do. Well, it's simple. It's a job. You go to work every day, just like you go to work every day. That's a pretty cool job. I yeah. Mean, that's, I mean, that's one of the things, like uh, Riley's not here, but that I was talking to Riley about. Like I've wanted to do this that we're doing right now for like a long time. And um, because I, I grew up on police stories yeah. because of my dad. And, uh, to, and I had good role models. He worked with good people that had good values. And, uh, I like you, I wanted to be a cop since I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's just it. It's like, um, you know, and I hope that, um, I impact, you know, the youth to be police officers in the future. Um, you know, at the high school level, I know some high school kids that were interested in, Hey, can I be an explorer? Yeah, man. You know, you want to start recruiting those kids and, and showing them the job and saying, Hey, this is what we do. Yeah, be an explorer. Come out, ride with us. It'll give you a good, a good idea of what we do, and it's going to tell you whether or not you want to do this job. Or being a volunteer police officer, I recommend that to a lot of people. Like, yeah, just come out and be a volunteer police. Officer. I mean, you have to go through training stuff. I mean, you just don't. We just don't pin a badge on you and off you go. But you get the once you're certified in that realm, you get the same uh, powers as we do, and it can tell you if you're going to want this job or not want this job. You know, and I go. That's how I started. And I already knew I wanted to do this job and I couldn't wait to do this job. So, I mean, I was testing everywhere, 
you know, there's some days I'm like, I wish I had just, I wish I wasn't so, uh, um, career driven and I would relax a little bit cause I'd never wanted to move away from home. But, uh, it turned out, but I go, I wanted to be a cop right then and there. I was ready. And it turned out to be a good decision, but yeah, I um, think so. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's uh, worked out well. You were out riding with me like at least once a week, sometimes more. Yeah. I was, like, I don't know how long we did that. Oh man. Yeah. I was there almost two years. Yeah. I think <laughs> I was pulling about 60 hours a month on top of a full-time job. And, uh, um, yeah, man. Well, it's funny. Cause yeah, we talked in terms of, cause I, I think I've told you before, I remember when I was working in the retail industry, I, the first time I met you, I was like, dude, that guy's badass, man. Cause it was a shoplifter that went bad and he, he came in hot and I'm like, I want to be that guy, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome, man. And, uh, um, but yeah, you put your time in and I just, I, lo I loved it then and I love it now. So I just wish I could, I almost wish you could go backwards a little bit, you know, cause you're like, oh, I would have did this different in my career, maybe this different in my career or whatever, you know? Uh, but at the same time you look back at your career, and like it's been pretty full career, so I can't complain. So. so what's the deal, man? You said you're not sleeping. Well, that's part of the gig. I think, you know, you get, uh, I really, um, yeah, I don't ever sleep. I sleep like some of it's probably hereditary cause my mom doesn't sleep, but yeah, I sleep on average two, three hours a night. And, uh, but you know, you spend all these years and it really never started till I became, got out of criminal detectives. Um, you, uh, you know, I was always gone. Like, so you get a sleep pattern as a criminal detective. You get off at five. Yeah, great. I work eight to five. Awesome for me. 10 o'clock, you're in bed. Or, you know, you go to bed nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, phone rings. Got to go to work. Two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. Got to go to work. You know, uh, I remember the last time I really slept hard was 2010. And I, I'm a very light sleeper. Everything wakes me up. And uh, I woke up. I have a very creature of habit. I do the same things every day. Eat, eat, I get up at the same time every day, eat at the same time every day. I'll first eat the same thing every day. So uh, my buddies all give me a hard time. Geez, they're like, man, you're, you're an easy pick, man. Cause we know what you're doing every day and what time you're doing it. So, <laughs> uh, but so I got up as I do every morning to go to the gym, look at my phone, three missed calls. I'm like, Hmm, from my detective sergeant. I'm like, that's interesting. So, out of fear, I called the patrol sergeant. I'm like, hey, dude, what did I miss last night? I go, or I go, did I miss something last night? He's like, yeah, just a homicide. I'm like, no, I didn't miss whatever, man. You're messing with me because he's a pretty funny guy. And he's like, no, seriously, miss homicide. No, I didn't miss homicide. You're messing with me. He was no, seriously, miss homicide. I'm like, what? I'm like, seriously, dude, I, go, I didn't even hear my phone ring. And it's on, it's on the loudest part, of, you know, the loudest ringtone you can possibly have on a cell phone. And you were just out cold, huh? Yeah, that was a lot. And, uh, but don't worry. Good news is I showed up three hours late to the party, but I, uh, I got the confession. So, <laughs> right so it all worked out, but yeah, that's probably the last thing. Cause you know, you're up and down, you're up and down, no sleep pattern when you're there. And then, uh, you go back, like when I went back to the road, there's a lot of graveyard. I worked graveyard predominantly for about four years for the most part with, um, a six month break about every 18 months. So I worked maybe two rotations a day shift in the rest of the graveyard for about four years. And uh, so th I guess three years, if you will, if you do the math. And, but you know, you go graveyard, day, day shift, graveyard, day shift, graveyard, graveyard, day shift. So you never get a sleep pattern. So like I'm getting ready to roll from 
days to graves and um you know and in the graveyard i don't sleep because we work 12-hour shifts so if you if you you know i work out i like daylight i like to be outside a little bit so we talk in terms of by the time you get home by the time you get to bed by the time you get up you go to the gym spend two hours in the gym you got to eat shower get ready you literally have like five hours of sleep in between shifts so it uh but yeah it all really goes back to when i was a criminal detective i lost my sleep so i never had a problem until i became a detective my girlfriend's son one day brought it up i go he's kind of flirting with law enforcement a little bit the federal side and uh and i'm like that's what you get i go welcome to law enforcement this is what you get to look forward to you know i know retired guys like um one guy that retired his wife works she's retired as well and law enforcement and i talk to her now and it's like oh yeah i go hey how's your husband doing and she's oh, really good she he never sleeps even in retirement just because he works so many years at graveyard that he can't sleep he's literally in, an insomniac now so that's the downfall you know with the good that's probably the bad because you know and then you talk court schedule train schedule you know my graveyard is the worst you know nobody ever thinks about the graveyard guy right so you get off at 6 a.m you might have to double back at nine for grand jury or trial. And then, so now you might get home. Like for me, I'm not going to go to bed because if I have court at eight or nine, what's the point? So now you might not get to bed till almost noon by the time you get done. And, and now you got to get back up and be to work by six. Oh God. You know, it, uh, so, you know, do that over 26 years, 25 years, 30 years. Well, I've been gone almost 10 and it's only the last probably year and a half that most of the time I finally sleep. Yeah. So you have that to look forward so to. So like, yeah, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. But it's a, yeah. it's a long tunnel. Oh man. Yeah. The sleep is, uh, especially, uh, like my Mondays, like going into my Monday, I don't ever sleep the night before I'm getting geared up for work. I'm getting anxious and, uh, getting ready for my week. And all night, so it's just like tossing and turning. Oh, God, I remember those days. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to make me have nightmares. <laughs> yeah, you're like, man, you know, you've been off in three, four days. And, you know, and that's probably part of it too. I don't know. I think I never, I think 12, like eight hour shifts are, aren't the best for us because you only, like, if you're on graveyard, you literally get one day off. But you never had any, I don't think anybody ever had sleep problems really with eight hour shifts versus we work 12s. That plays a part too. God, it's a long time to work, man. It's a long time to work. We're not geared. You know, you hit on a graveyard, you hit, uh, you know, two, three in the morning, you're at a window, you know, or a wall. It's like, uh, and that last two, three, four hours just creeps by. And, uh, you know, how, so you figure, even though you get three, four days, three, three and four days off, I mean, the first two, you're a zombie if you're on a graveyard. It's great on day shift. Because you you know you go to bed at nine o'clock on your Friday night and start your Saturday like a normal person. The graveyard, like for me, I get out at six a.m. and I'm up until on my on my Saturday morning. I'll uh, get up off at six a.m. and I'm up until nine o'clock at night. So because I don't go to bed, that's yeah, really bad. It's a really bad plan. <laughs> but I don't like to like I. I'm active, so I don't like to miss out on my time so but then i pay for it because i'm not as tired that day but the following day i pay for it like you're exhausted yeah because you can't make that sleep up because oh, you're up for like 
36, 37 hours before you finally hit the hit the pillow. You'll stay awake that long. Mm-hmm. 30, oh man. Yeah. That see, that's all about going back to the criminal detectives because as you know, you know, when you're out on a scene, you can be out. What, what's the theory? You don't go home till every last yeah. avenue is explored. You know, every last bit of information. So you know, like that first house I told you that I worked as a criminal detective. 38 hours we were up before we got to go home. And we only went, I didn't even go home because we only went home for two hours. I went to the gym and then went back for another 18. So, you know, that's probably the day it started all right there. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. It's good. It's so if you could give advice to like some young upcoming guy, what would you tell him? What do you tell What do you tell your guys? Well, now um, I don't, it's probably a little different because, you know, for me, I was very career motivated, career driven, couldn't wait, um, you know, workaholic. Uh, so now I tell them, you know, because um, I, overtime? Okay, I'll take overtime. Now I don't want overtime. I've, I've had my fill. But now I'm like, you know, hey, you know, come here, do a good job, do your work, work hard, um, you know. Don't be lazy. Don't be the guy that doesn't answer his phone or her phone. But, you know, use your time too to decompress a little bit. Don't get caught up in the, you know, don't don't take it home with you. Don't, you know, like I, I guess I like I said earlier, that's where I had some advantage that I'd never really take it home. But um like leave it at work, man. You know, get a hobby. That was part of my problem. I never had a lot of hobbies. Because uh, work was your hobby. Work was my hobby. So I'm like, you gotta have hobbies, man. Um, some of it's probably because I moved away from home to a new town and it was, I never, you know, so when you go right into your career into a new town, it's pretty hard when you don't know anybody. So what do you do? You work. So next thing you know, it's 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, like, man, outside of work, I really don't have any friends because, you know, living in this town. Um, but I tell them, you know, just have some hobbies. You gotta have hobbies. So, uh, don't let life pass you by. And I think that now a lot of these younger guys and gals, it's a little bit different world too. Um, I think that law enforcement's finally recognized a lot of things that we've done wrong and a lot of failures. Such as? Um, not taking care of our families. You know, you remember what it was like when you first got in, it was like work, 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 right? You gotta come to work. Well, hey, my kids gotta pass, don't care. You, you're up, you're up on the overtime list. So you had to come to work. Oh, well, awesome for me. So now, like our agency is very fortunate. We care about family. Our administration cares about family. That comes before work. So, you know, you know, there's obviously times we can't say, we have to say sorry, because you have to come in and work an overtime shift or whatever. Because uh, quite frankly, you haven't worked one everybody else has, but we try to, we're pretty flexible. We try to make sure that home life is good. Uh, cause obviously bad home life can reflect it. So we won't talk about the thing that you were just involved in, but you were off a month. Yeah. Right. And then what steps did the department make you do to go back to work? Well, you got to go. So probably this is probably different than 20 years ago as well. So anytime you're in a critical incident or anything like that, you know, I remember when I first got hired, 
um, my TO was like, I was on a, a major assault case. So I had another officer at the jail, get me a photo lineup. I had my victims down at the PD. We had another officer up on a, um, up on a major, on a, on a domestic. And I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for my photo lineup. And my TO goes, Hey, I'm going to go check this out. Make sure he's okay. At, the officers are okay up there. Cause he was a supervisor. Oh, that's cool. I'll be here waiting for a photo lineup. And next we'll hear shots fired. Right. And, uh, so they didn't, uh, it didn't, uh, hit the dude, uh, cause they fragged in the windshield and, um, pretty much just, and then I think someone went through the boat cause the guy tried to run him over. It was like, that was like every day. That's just like, okay, cool. All right. Go back to work. Right? No, nothing. Just go back to work. So that's 22 years ago. Fast forward today when officers get and stuff like that, it's a, you know, you got to do a counseling session. Um, you know, they don't bring you back to work. They, uh, they give you time or like, even when I wrecked my first patrol car, um, I was six months on the job, you know, I was freaking out because where I came from, that's probably really bad. If you're, <laughs> you know, yeah, if you're a rookie, right. And right. you're on probation, that's probably not going to treat you real well. Is it going to end your career? I guess it depends on where you're at in your training, but, or was it your fault? Yeah. It was my fault. I was going to actually a violent crime in progress and I had my overheads on, but, um, I didn't turn my, I thought the intersection was clear and my light was red. So I just proceeded through with no siren and it got T-bone, uh, right in my driver's side door. And then, uh, it spun me out of control. I hit a telephone pole. I went back to work. My sergeant shows up. So what happened? I said, my fault, you know, cause you take ownership. Right. And I said, they have my siren on going to this call and uh, it's a hot call and I was literally six months on the job and he's like, huh? All right, cool. He's like, well, I don't know. He's supervised, whatever. He's not your first night. You're your last. I'm like, what? You know, cause coming from over here, I know that that would probably be, I don't know, you know, it probably not, it's going to treat you. I know. Did you, did you get written up at all? No. No, oh, nice. Nothing. Uh, no, no letter in my jacket. Cause I was reflecting back to my time here and I'm like, yeah. cause I knew how that would, you know, treat you over here. And I'm like, and I remember, uh, the outside agency showing up and it was a sergeant who investigated and I'm like, I'm all stressed out. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going to get fired. And I'm going, he's like, geez, man, he's like, relax. He's maybe if you can't handle this, you need to go maybe be a shoe salesman. That's what <laughs> literally what he told me. And I'm like, well, man, I go, I'm only six months on my own and, or six months uh, into the job. Oh, I was probably only three months on my own. And, uh, yeah. So, but fast forwarding today, you know, I just, after that got over, I walked, went back, got a ride back to the PD cause my car was totaled. So I got read to, it was actually a V and, uh, <laughs> got, went back to the PD and, uh, my chief at the time was in the Sally port and he goes, what happened? You know, I'm like, well, this is what happened. And I go into, go into this hot call. It's in progress. And, uh, it was a major assault and, I was going code two, not code three. Forgot to turn my siren on going through an intersection. So he put his arm around me. He goes, okay. It's like, first one's on me. Second one's your ass. I'm like, yes, sir. You get in a car and you, and you go back to work. Right. I mean, to some that's, I mean, to me, it was, you know, uh, you know I stressed more stressed out about how's this, you know, am I going to get suspended? Am I get oh, yeah. what, what, what form of punishment am I going to get? Which now I got handed down, but I'm stressed out about it as I should be. Uh, fast forwarding today, you know, officers would probably go home. 
you know, yeah, I mean, if it's major, you know, if they feel this, if the individual officers will offer them, Hey, are you good to go? Do you need to go home? Do you need to decompress? Do you need a couple hours? Where now we afford everybody the opportunity to that decompression. So, cause you don't want to be, you don't want them out there stressed out and something, you know, cause you know how it is. You get in that, right. And you give them a new car and they might have to go the same exact call ex- immediately after that. Now what, you know, 22 years ago is like, you get back on that horse. Now, you know, it's, we give you those opportunities to take care of mind and body and, you know, wellness, wellness is a big push right and now. Nobody makes fun of you. Oh, they make fun. Yeah. Well, nobody makes fun. Yeah. No, not quite like then. Like we used, yeah. Like there were certain things you didn't live down. I got a calf stunned one time in a fight and I dropped my calf stunned. The dude picked up and calf stunned me. Oh yeah. That was a real humbling experience. And, uh, um, we won, I won the fight and, uh, but let's say I didn't, uh, I took a little for that one. So, uh, no, but I mean like guys, I'll make fun of you for that one too, but so like, but guys, like you won't get made fun of if you go to like a oh, set counseling session no, or like no. you take the rest of the day off. No. Yeah. Now it's, uh, we're in a different world, you know, like, so kind of jumped a little bit there, you know, going backwards at, or moving forward today that I think we do take a, we do a better job of taking care of the officer. I think we still have a long way to go, but, um, like our agency has a well, full wellness program. Like we actually afford our officers the opportunity to, uh, train physical fitness on duty, uh, for a half hour. So they can come in, get off the street, decompress, work out. And we encourage it. We want our officers to be healthy because if you're healthy in mind and physically, you know, you're probably gonna have a better home life, better career, longer career. Um, you know, if an officer's in a traumatic situation, they make sure the officer's good to come back. They'll, they'll ask the officer, do you want, you know, are you ready or are you not ready? You know, if the officer's not ready, okay, well, when you're ready, you know, obviously it's, there's a limit, I'm sure, but, um, they make sure that the officer is okay first. And, uh, but you know, in our profession, regardless if it's now or 22 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, it doesn't matter what risks officer, you know, cause what, you know, we got to face it. Every officers are all a personalities, most of them. Right. Totally. So it's in like, they talk, you know, it literally is brother and sisters and you're going, you're going to have arguments and you're going to argue with each other like brothers and sisters argue with each other. But at the end of the day, when something happens, that phone's lighting up, you know, everybody's making sure everybody's good. And, uh, uh, we're pretty fortunate. Like my agency, like if it's really bad, everybody pulls together and makes, you know, families will take turns cooking dinner for a family, making sure they don't have to worry about that aspect of life and they can just unwind and decompress. So I think we do a better job today of taking care of officers to some degree, instead of just saying, oh, that's cool. Shove them back on the street. So, uh, cause I think all too often we see that and then bad decisions get made. So true. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I think it's, uh, it's definitely different now than it was then a lot different. I mean, when I got hired, I was like, really, you know, you're like, yeah. And now it's like, you know, I think that law enforcement has probably been a little bit behind the eight ball for several years. Um, but, but for me, I, I don't want any time off. I just want to go back to work. I'd rather be at work, but, uh, I don't know if I'm an anomaly or just weird or what, but <laughs> it's like, 
you know, I like to work and if that's something, you know, things happen, it's like, you know, I think I came, you know, early in my career, you know, you know, you know, if you're gonna, you know, you have to accept the fact that you're, when you walk out the door, right? I mean, the old saying, you don't know if you're coming home, but you really don't know you're walking into the unknown, right? So, you know, you almost have to mentally prep yourself too, that, you know, you don't, you don't know what you're going to come across when you get out there and go to work and it may not be good. So if you mentally prepare yourself, and I mentally prepare myself for all the time for traumatic situations, where it's whatever, you know, fights and how am I going to handle myself in a fight? And I remember I got in a fight years ago in a bar fight and uh, the guy went south on me. I thought I had him out the door and we we're all good. And all of a sudden he came at me and so I'm fighting him. My partner's fighting another guy. We literally knocked every table over in that place and I'm stressed out, not stressed out, but I'm worried because it's a, not a bar that's really known to be law enforcement friendly at times. And I'm like, man, I, cause I, and that was, so when my whole, uh, um, pro, thought process was okay. Th- thought process was let's get this guy out the door, you know, let's try to communicate with him, get out the door peacefully. Cause I don't want to fight in here. Cause there's like 40 people in here. And if we fight him, 40 people are going to turn on us. And there's only two of us here. This is going to be really bad. So I want to get him out the door, right? Yeah. So he gets to the door. I thought everything's good. And he does a U-turn. I'm like, well, so it's a game on. We got to deal with it. Well, it turned out it was college night in there. So it was a bunch of, and I didn't really pay attention to the environment because I was needing to get this guy and his, it was his uncle was involved too. Um, it turned out it was a bunch of younger individuals from the local college were in there. And they're like, whoa, that's awesome. You know? And I was like, thankfully, that was the crowd that was in there that night. Um, but so we literally knocked over every table in there. My lieutenant had been working late then. It was like midnight. And I get the guy cuffed, take him outside, uh, put him in my car. I go, okay, turn around. I go, who saw this? And my lieutenant looks at me and goes, seriously? I'm like, what? He's like, you're pretty calm right now. I go, well, yeah, I got to investigate it now. He's like, wow, that's kind of amazing. He's like, you just got a major fight with this, these guys. And now you're just, I go, well, yeah, that's what we did, right? He's like, that's pretty impressive. And uh, then he's like, well, you don't need me here. And he left. So... You know, uh, so, but I, you know, you gotta, you have to process all that before you get there. Cause you know, you know, always think what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. Yeah. I think some guys don't do that. Even in just like regular life, they don't do the what if game. Yeah. Yeah. What if all the time, every time it's like, even after, okay. You know, say a fight, a major fight, how did I handle myself? Did I, did I create this by putting myself in a bad situation? Like I didn't, wasn't bladed right. Or was I too lax? I have my hands crossed and the guy read me and, or whatever was my, you know, was my form, if you will, was it right? Did I yeah. do what I was trained? Did I, um, or, you know, and did I perform at the level I should perform? So, you know, I'm always, you should self critique yourself. Uh, that's, and that's going back to what you tell people. I tell recruits all the time, you need to self critique yourself because we're our own worst enemy. So you need to be self critiquing, you know, can I do this better? Can I do this better? Or did I do it the way I should do it or whatever? But, um, but I always mentally prepare even today, even after, you know, I mean, I think you get, there's sometimes, you know, like it's funny cause you watch a recruit and they're all, you know, they're all stiff and they're, they're kind of one dimensional, right? When they're talking to people and they're kind of got that, uh, they're kind of assertive talk, but you've dealt with the individual for like a hundred times and you're like, and I remember when I got hired, my TO, I went to put a guy in cuffs and I went to grab him because that's what I was trained over here. Right. Grab a hold of the wrist, put him in handcuffs. 
Well, he started to pull away, and I'm tugging, and he's tugging, and then the TO goes, and he, the TO at that time is a 25 year veteran. He goes, "Time out." He's like, "Stop." I'm like, "He's like, just watch." He's like, and he looks at the guy, and he knew the guy's like, "Hey," taps him in the middle, the lower back. Just put your hands back here. The guy instantly complies. I'm like, seriously, and um, you know, so back then I'm like, no, no, but now you fast forward to today, I'm like, so sometimes uh, we, ha- I think it, a lot of it's years on the job, I think helps you too. But you get a little lax, so I'm always making sure that am I getting lax or am I using my voice like that? My to was he too lax back then, or you know, I thought he was, but looking at it now, looking back. I don't think he was lax. He just—it's a lot of wisdom there. Yeah, it's using, exactly. He's using his wisdom, and he's like, "Hey, man," he's talking and talking him into handcuffs instead of forcing him in, forcing him into handcuffs. Yeah, man, that that technique that you described—that thing that started like way more fights than yeah, than it like stopped. So I just I. I started not to do that either. I'd just be like, hey, man, you're under arrest. Put your hands behind your back. Because yeah. then if they want to fight, it's like game on. Yeah, because they're going to, they're going to, at that yeah, they're going to pick. They're going to choose at that point. Right. So, um, and, and, you know, like probably like 95% of the time or more, it worked out just fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it's funny. It's funny when you look back to like that incident. I'm like, now nah, you know, really? That's how you want, you know, because, and then you look fast forward today and like, yeah, he's pretty smart. Yeah. So, but <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, it's uh, it's way different, way different today. They can you know, they conform and you know, policing's always the philosophy of policing always changes. So and you gotta be willing to adapt. So I think some officers struggle with that too. It's like just adapt. You know, we have to adapt with societies like you know, it's not society doesn't adapt to us, we adapt to what what's going on in today's world. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes officers struggle with that and they shouldn't. It's like, go to job, go to work, put your pants on, go to work and do your job. The laws are written, enforce the laws, you'll be fine. So, but, you know, I had an officer told me years ago, he's, you really don't let anything bother you, do you? I said, nope, sure don't. It's a job, man. I go to work, I do my job. So it's like, you know, yeah, do I like to lose? Do I like to go to court and lose or, no, because I didn't dot an I or whatever, and it got, you know, that's what, like on a DUI or whatever, well, you didn't dot the I, so your your form's no good. Well, I guess next time I need to be better. So, oh, well, I did what I could do. So. All right, on. Well, hey, thanks for doing this. Yeah, you bet. The Snitch Podcast is dedicated to preserving the verbal stories of modern-day police officers, your lives in your own words. If you are interested in being a part of this multimedia project, please contact us at thesnitchpodcast at gmail.com.